This is Abrupt Future, the podcast on the future of work that happened faster than we thought. Each week, we feature conversations with experts in leadership, management, human resources, culture, and technology to help you succeed in this new normal. This is your host, Benoit Ardivalle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Abrupt Future. Today, we talk with Haley Griffiths. Uh, Haley, you are the Head of Public Relations at Buffer, a fully distributed organization of 85 people living and working in 15 countries around the world, as well as the co-host of the Make Work Work podcast and a fellow Canadian. So welcome to the show and thanks for joining. I came through your research report. So Buffer has been publishing a state of remote work research report for the last few years as I was doing some research for the podcast. I'd be curious to hear a little bit more background about how you came to research and publish this and why Buffer initiated it. Yeah, that's a great question. So we have been a distributed company for almost 10 years now. And we have written a lot. And often in writing things about remote work, we are talking about our own organization. And this is what we're seeing. And, you know, maybe we'll talk to a few other companies who'll be like, this is what they're seeing. But we were really feeling like we were lacking perspective. And then the whole industry was lacking perspective because other than just a couple of companies that were very adamant about remote work, sharing what they were learning and doing, there wasn't a ton of research. So I noticed this and a couple of my colleagues noticed this. We're in the lucky position that a lot of remote workers were already reading our blog about company culture. So we decided to send out the first report back in 2016, I think, or 17. So it's been several years that we've been doing this report. And the, the data was just so interesting. So we decided to do this annually, change the questions up a little bit to see if there were trends over time. And now that we're at the 2020 report, we have really seen a lot of trends data and answers into the world of what it's like to be a remote worker, which was our whole goal with that. And then the crisis started and everybody became, you know, not necessarily by choice, a uh, remote worker. So you probably had a lot more interest in that research all of a sudden. Yeah, that's true. We do make a distinction. We were interviewing remote workers before all of this happened. And we were interviewing people who were remote work largely by choice not because they had to be. So I do think that while everyone is kind of working remotely right now, I would put that more into the category of everyone is working at home during a pandemic, because I think the true form of remote work, a remote worker can work wherever they feel happiest and most productive. And that's sort of the motto that we use at Buffer. We want everyone to be able to work wherever they're happiest and most productive. For a lot of people that isn't at home, that is like a co-working space or a coffee shop or a library. But for some like myself, that is home. So I would say it's a balance. I think probably maybe the, the group of remote workers that are used to working from home, this is slightly more normal, but there's still the whole idea of a pandemic. You know, if their children are home, are they homeschooling or their spouse or partner or anyone else is at home? So kind of remote work, maybe kind of not remote work, but we have seen that these practices do have been carrying over a lot. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, there's a big difference in doing that by design versus being forced to do it with all the socioeconomic complication. Right. And Buffer has been a remote distributed organization since its inception, I understand. Yeah, there was a small period of time where we had an offer because several people in San Francisco, including the co-founders, 
And so they thought this would, but it came to a moment of, okay, are we going to have an office or are we going to be distributed? Because they weren't fully distributed, but we were still small enough at that time. There were less than 10 people, I think. And everyone either was living in or wanted to live in San Francisco. So there was sort of a moment of, should we just move here and have an office? And our CEO, Joel, consulted with someone who said, you you want to go fully either way, either have an office and everyone's in the office or does and everyone is out of the office. And this was a, a long time ago now. This was probably like seven or eight years ago now. And as we'll see in this report, I do think that that was quite spot on because then that way everyone is sort of on equal playing grounds. So Joel and, and the rest of the team decided on fully remote. So we have been fully remote since then. We hire people wherever they live, regardless of country, time zone. We have been looking for new teammates over the last few years. And then we're just always looking for people in different parts of the world. And um, yeah, so we have been remote for a long time now. It's been fun. Yeah. So you're really committed to it. And I guess over time, like you mentioned, you started to have more questions and we're looking for more research. So you launched this uh, research uh, project. So who was surveyed? Who were you interacting with, talking to, surveying, and where did they work? Yeah, we primarily, especially in the beginning, surveyed anyone who was a remote worker that we could get in touch with in terms of like country or industry or work experience. Over the years, we've gotten a little bit better with partners, making sure that we're really reaching a wide variety and not just the people who know about Buffer, which is really great. I would still say largely we are still just in touch with whoever we're able to get in contact with through our existing community. So that is a lot of different people, primarily people that live in the United States. That is our the main place where our respondents are replying from. Uh, the next closest countries are Canada, the United Kingdom, and India. And then we also have people, it's primarily in software, over 40% of the people who were served on software. And then the, f- the next industries are IT and services, marketing, and it is who we have seen a good chunk of people who work in engineering and then another good chunk who work in marketing and advertising. So it is, I think it's a pretty good mix, keeping in mind that we're a software company. I think it this pretty much uh, trends with who our audience is as well. And, and I guess also the, the kind of people who naturally gravitate toward remote work, because if you think of a lot of the profession that you mentioned, there's typically a need for deep work, right? Or, or get yeah. involved in the work. And sometimes that fully, you know, meet people every day could be distracting for that type of workers. That's a really good way to look at it too. Yeah, definitely. And I do think that like software as an industry and does tend to get more interested in that ability because they can do their work from anywhere in most cases. And then also because there are so many examples of tech companies that are fully remote, like Buffer, Do It, Zapier is another one. And so there is more to look to in terms of best practices there. So what have you found in the uh, report? What do they think generally about remote work? There is a whole lot. Some of my favorite stats are that we ask. And so we do make sure that everyone responding works remotely at least some of the time, one day a week, it could be two days a month or whatever, but they do work remotely sometimes. And one of the first questions we ask them is, would you like to work remotely at least some of the time for the rest of your career? And this is overwhelmingly consistently our most positive answer that we get. And this year we had 98% of people say yes, and only 2% of people say no. That was huge. And then sort of similarly, we ask, would you recommend remote work to others? Very similar answer. We had 97 people say yes and three say no. So that's sort of 
some of the early questions that we ask when we're looking at remote work. I guess once you tasted it, you're hooked. <laughs> if you have a good experience. And for me personally, it you know, kind of bounced between working remotely and then in an office. And I think that the transition is very, if you are going from 100% remote to going to completely office-based, that's a difficult transition. It takes a long time to get used to it. And I do think that remote work, for me personally, I feel it's a lot more comfortable. So this is this is what I want to be doing. And I believe they mentioned other benefits of uh, remote work. What were the most important things for them? There are quite a few. The biggest trend, and this has been the trend for all of the years that we have done the report, love the flexibility that remote work provides. And so what we had this year is we had over 32% of people say ability to schedule was the biggest benefit. Then we had 26%, they said flexibility to work from anywhere, which was amazing. And so we see trend in a lot of the benefits, it, it all sort of centers around this idea of flexibility to work anywhere. Another popular response is not having to commute. I definitely love as well. Um, but I think biggest benefit is definitely flexibility. Yeah, I remember a study for a couple of years ago, somebody who has a bad commute would need to have a 40% increase in salary so that the person's well-being would be equal to somebody who doesn't have a commute or who has a commute that's quite comfortable, right? So it just speaks to the weight that commute has in people. Yeah, I had not seen that surprised at all. That is a huge... I mean, you, you think about the consequences on you know, the environment and personal well-being, how many people, I mean, before the crisis had to drive an hour in and hour out every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge amount of time. Definitely. I, I mean, we have the Ford European commuter survey. They did this survey in Barcelona and Berlin, London, and uh, the journey to work causes more stress than people's actual jobs, even for dentists, they said, which I think that's just wild. <laughs> I guess there were also some challenges with remote work. Definitely. I think a lot of people, when they think of remote work, the image that comes to mind, there are two. There are two kinds of people. People will either think, I mean, maybe before all of this, before remote work was big, but we'll see a lot of people that either think, okay, you're just in your pajamas or your sweatpants all day at home. And then the uh, there's another group of people. Oh, are you working like from a laptop on a beach? Is that sort of like what you're doing? And we did want to dig into what are their struggles remote work because I think that it to shed some light on it. We have seen a lot of positive press mentions about remote work and I don't think that that's wrong. I do believe that remote work is one, but it isn't without its challenges. So some of the biggest ones that have been year over year are collaboration and communication. Those are some massive challenges. This is despite the fact that if you think of collaborating and communicating remotely, you can probably think of multiple tools that you would use. You think like, oh, well, you know, we would use Slack and Zoom or Trello or Threads is another tool that we use. So this is despite having so many tools, 20% of people still selected that collaboration and communication were huge challenges. And then another one is loneliness, which I think is just being heightened right now. Remote work is and can be lonely if you aren't leaving home. If you're working primarily from home and you live alone, for example, you have to make a huge effort to go out see friends and interact with others. And of course, right now, that is extra difficult and a lot of places just impossible. And so that is definitely heightened right now. So we're seeing that. You also had an interesting insight about people who don't recommend remote work. Can you explain that finding? Yeah, I was I was really interested in that. So to bring it back to that initial stat that I said, we did ask people if they would recommend remote work and said yes. So I really wanted to know these 3% that don't work 
what is going on in their lives? What else can we learn about them from the survey, from their survey responses they gave? So we looked into it and there was a really interesting correlation between the amount of time that someone spends working remotely and how remote their team is. So for example, you could work remotely 100% of the time, which is what I do, or you could work remotely 50% of the time and the other 50% you're in an office. And then your team could either be fully remote or they could be a varying different level. Like they work from home sometimes or they're, they're pretty much 50-50 or they're, you know, they're mostly in the office and one or two days they can come in. So looking at that factor, what we saw is that most of the people who said that 3% that said they don't recommend remote work, most of them remotely 100% of the time. And then most of them also worked at teams and companies that were split between office workers and remote workers, which is bringing it back to what I mentioned earlier when we were starting Buffer, we were told, choose one, don't try to do both. And I do think that was very insightful because there are a lot of challenges that come with having a remote team and a team in an office. And a big one of those that we've seen is coming back to that collaboration and communication. People in an office conversations just face naturally. This is just what we do as humans, of course, that are excluding the remote workers. And then there's also, it is easier to build office collaboration and culture and do events in person when you're in an office. And that's another way for remote workers if the rest of their team is together to feel left out. So I do think that's the perfect scenario for people to be unhappy is if they are constantly working remotely and then maybe most of the rest of their team is in an office or part of their team is in an office and they feel excluded or the communication channels aren't set up properly and the processes aren't in place. So the data supports that and that is what we found. I do think that what we've recommended often is to just be really aware of that. That's a situation that a lot of companies find themselves in now. And you just have to be conscious of the systems and the processes that you put in place and making sure that you have someone who is making remote workers feel like they're a part of the team and have a manager checking in on those remote workers to make sure that they're feeling okay with everything. Um, but yeah, that was the that was the interesting correlation we found there. And that's a good learning I think for for any company because you could see how over time it can create almost a us versus them division or siloed yeah. or it could be seen that working from home is some kind of reward that people in the office don't don't have and then if you're the one who has to dial in on the call while everybody's face-to-face in the room and then there's some issues, you just feel outside of the loop or it could create some, you know, frustration on, on both sides. So I can see how committing to one or the other is certainly prescient. I also think it's just easier for your processes and it's easier for everyone to be on the same page. So I'm going to that have sort of like split offices all over the place and workers is that when you're doing events, instead of doing the, what a lot of people do, and I think that this is, is an easy thing to fix, is instead of doing, there's one laptop that's looking at all of the people who are in the office together, and then all the remote workers are on that laptop, and they can't hear really well, they can't speak up very easily, they're definitely it's definitely an us versus them very starkly there because you're all sitting together and maybe the the remote workers are on a laptop. And as a remote worker, you're sort of watching everyone sit together and you can't really break in because it's too loud. And a super easy fix there is 
everyone gets on a laptop. For those events, everyone is on a laptop. Even if the people are sitting next to each other and it might seem silly, it creates this equality. Everyone is in the same space. Everyone can see and hear the same things. And it's easy for everyone to raise their hand or speak up. This way might be for the person next to them or the person who's 100 miles away. So that's that's one that I've seen a lot, like a very easy fix. And do you also organize some um, in-person meeting from time to time? I could imagine that there has to be like a once-a-year get-together for people at Buffer. Yeah, we absolutely prioritize being able to meet in person. Just because we're remote, it doesn't mean that we don't believe in in-person time. I think that being in person is an incredible way to build relationships. So we do once a year, we do a retreat and that's the whole company in one location. And we do our best to do that every year. It looks like that isn't happening this year, but I think a lot of things aren't happening this year. And then the other one that we do is that on a team by team basis, so like our marketing team and our engineering team and our advocacy team, they all like, they will all meet up together once a year as well. So ideally you are seeing the people that you work directly with and the rest of the company once a year, but the people you work directly with twice a year. And I always felt like there is a, a certain foundation that once you establish face-to-face, the next time you see a ping on Slack or an email or a text from that person, it feels like it's reactivating the picture of that person in your mind, right? It, it creates a certain sense of familiarity, even though you haven't met or, you know, you only met once in your life or, uh, you know, a, a year ago, but that little connection, you it's like you keep it with you over time. I absolutely agree. And I have experienced that myself too. Just relationships are different. Once you've met in person, you can really put a face to, you know, this person passed a video and you know what they're like, what their body language is like. And you've probably learned little things about them that don't really come up in meetings or in video calls because to each other, you were sitting down lunch or coffee. So yeah, I 100% agree with that. I'd be curious also to to hear from you in terms of creating a culture, right? I mean, you talk about equality when everybody is on their laptop. What else have you seen or been doing to make sure that despite the distance, there's still a sense of unity, community of being together as part of one organization, one culture? Yeah, there are a lot of things that we do. We are lucky enough to have an entire person on our team devoted to this. She's on our people team. She's our team engagement manager. So she focuses on keeping our team engaged. And so we do take that very seriously. And there are so many different programs that we have in place. One of them is you join this channel and then once a week you randomly get paired with someone in the organization. And the idea is for 30 minutes that week and you can chat about work or hobbies or life or whatever you want to chat about. And that's a really great way to get people meeting who don't necessarily work on projects together. So meeting people across organizations the way that you would in a regular office. So that's one of the ways we do on the whole team on video calls sometimes. So we'll have sort of spontaneous gatherings where it's like open to anyone who's around. We'll do all hands online. We will do different events in Slack as well. So maybe asking a question and then having everyone respond. And those can be really fun uh, as well as sharing photos. We do share a lot of photos, which I think brings us together a lot. And so we'll share photos of pets and photos of our workspaces and stations and things like that. So we do have a team dedicated to this, which I'm grateful for the work that they do. And they are always thinking up new ways that we can be connected and that we can make sure that the team is feeling really engaged. But I think a big part of it is people want people wanting to be engaged. A lot of the people who join 
Buffer are very interested in the company and the culture, and we are trying to create all of these spaces for people to connect. So we know that people want to connect. It's just making sure that they have the space, they feel like they have permission, that there's enough time in their day, and all, all of those sorts of things, making sure that it really fits together so that we can have these spontaneous connections the way that you would in an office. And in terms of communication, um, I believe you had some recommendation on asynchronous communication because we typically organization, people will use Zoom and conference call, which is still happening in real time, but there seems to be a lot of push from remote or distributed organization to think communication differently. And I believe there was some indication in your research report that this is something uh, important. Yeah, we've mentioned it in the report. We've also mentioned it on our blog a couple of... I 100% asynchronous communication. It's kind of funny when you think synchronous communication, I've seen people refer to sort of like, what do you call an all-day meeting that never ends? And someone responded with Slack. And the idea is, like, if you are expected to be online and be in Slack all day, or if you're in Zoom meetings all day, it's kind of difficult for you to really get work done because you're expected to be responding to people all day. And that's also not realistic. That's not how you would be spending your time in an office anyways, right? Like, at some point, you put your headphones on, you turn away from everyone else, and it's just like, leave me alone for a couple of hours while I try to get focused work done. So we think of asynchronous communication, not just from the perspective of everyone that's in the same time zone should be able to communicate whenever they want, but just everyone should be able to communicate whenever they want, spend, depending on their time zone, right? So the, the way that we think of this, work doesn't happen at the same time for everyone. So when you're talking to someone, we ask team offer, share the whole message, share a lot of context, and then make sure that the person will be able to understand what you need from them by the time that they reply. This all means leaning away from tools like Slack and Zoom, because Slack is quite synchronous. And then Zoom, of course, is video meetings that are happening right now. So we use a tool called Threads for that. And that's a place to sort of share exactly what it is that you're thinking of, who you want to reach out to, and then just post it into threads and people can respond as they come online and as their days happen. So we do try to lean really heavily into asynchronous work and communication because it works a lot better with everyone's time zones and is a more inclusive way to work as well because then you're letting everyone add a voice instead of just you know, the loudest voice in a meeting or whoever might be online right now because of their time zone. And I think this is something that has been missed in all the recent publication. You know, following the crisis, everybody shared their tips and tricks and best practices uh, to work, but they all assume that remote work involves mostly video conference. And, and you know, I always feel a a bit uncomfortable about that because if, if we are to get people um, the whole day on Zoom, then we're not really embracing the, the remote or distributed way of, uh, of working. So happy to hear that this, this came up uh, both in the research and in your, uh, in your own organization. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's uh, was there any, anything we're talking else? about async more. Yeah. Was there anything else unexpected or um, interesting that came up in the results? That's a good question. I think I think a lot of it a lot of it was interesting. I'll say one of the other things that I noticed that I thought was very interesting is we did ask people how happy they were with the amount of time that they work remotely, and we saw a people who worked remotely more than seventy six percent of the time they were very happy with the amount of time they worked remotely, versus people who worked. 75% of the time and less always wanted to work more. And in fact, the people who worked remotely the least, the people who were, you know, less than 25% of the time working remotely, 
they were the most adamant ones that they really wanted to work remotely more often. So I thought that was quite neat that the more someone is working remotely, the happier they tend to be with that amount, less the more that they want. Yeah, it seems like you find a uh, a, a good ratio of balancing, uh, you know, in office and, and remote for those who could uh, do it, right? Because it would be like going once a day in the office, which actually a lot of consultants do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I wonder what we're going to find in the next one. Are you planning to release one in 2021? Yes, we still are. We'll see what changes and what will be different. I think we'll have to ask very different questions now that so many people have experience with remote work. And I think that would be very interesting. Something else to do is get sort of longer form answers from people who decisions for remote work within their organizations. Like, what are they thinking of? Why these decisions? What are their biggest problems with having a group of remote workers? Like, what are the challenges that they're facing? So I think that we'll iterate on it a little bit for 2021. So I'm looking forward to that. And then also, I mean, we'll have a bigger pool of people that have experienced remote work. So we could have a lot more organizations that have remote work. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting uh, report. Well, look, I hope we're going to have the chance to uh, talk about it uh, next year. Uh, in the meantime, I wanted to thank you for your time. I really enjoyed learning about uh, both the company and the research report. This was Abrupt Future. I hope you learned something valuable. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. And any feedback or rating is greatly appreciated. On LinkedIn and in real life, my name is Benoit Hardy-Valley, and I thank you for your time.